welcome to The Leadership Journey. My name is Holly Ferguson. And I'm John Barclay. This episode is all about trust, how we build it, how we break it. (laughs) (laughs) Very important topic and we all know leadership is about relationships and there's nothing more fundamental in relationships than trust. Now John, in your experience, because you deliver a lot of trust workshops and help leaders work on trust, what are the different ways that people perceive trust or decide whether they're going to trust someone? It's really interesting. There's a there's just a basic personality relationship with trust and trusting people. So if you sort of think about the level of trust people have, there's two two different types. So some individuals trust everyone implicitly until trust is broken. And there's others who don't trust anyone until trust is earned. Right, and there's no real right or wrong in that. It's just the relationship you have with trusting people, and but fundamentally, if you trust me implicitly, I still need to be trustworthy to own it, and if you don't trust me, then I need to be trustworthy to gain it. So fundamentally, we have to learn to keep increasing our trustworthiness as people to be able to maintain it or earn it. Something I've learned from you recently is that if you are an introvert or extrovert, those different personality types can actually impact the way that people perceive you as being trustworthy or not. One of the key attributes of trustworthiness is is integrity or reliability. And that comes from the commitments we make or the promises we make. And, And if you sort of think about introverts and extroverts, for those who don't sort of know those terms introverts are quite reserved Um, they tend to hold back tend to be more deeper in thought extroverts are more outgoing they tend to speak out loud they tend to speak as they think and what I've seen over the years when I try and piece things together in this is extroverts tend to promise things without realizing they promised them you know they tend to just say lots of things and commit to lots of things and they've got lots of things going on and they generally over commit So there's no ill intent in not delivering on what they've committed to. They just don't realise they've necessarily committed to that amount of things. And on the flip side, the introverts who are a little bit more held back, you know, may take too long to make a decision or commit to something and therefore then they could be seen as unreliable or I can't trust them to do what I need them to do. Uh, So, you know, just even little personality traits without any intent or malice involved can just have a bit of an impact on the way people trust you or not. What are some of the fundamental things you start with when you're discussing trust with some leaders? Fundamentally, it's it's where you come from in regards to the communication and the interaction you're having with your team and balancing that transparency with confidentiality. I try and help leaders understand the power of transparency to be seen as someone that is honest and reliable because they can tell me what's what's really happening. But I also need to balance the fact that I need to keep things some things confidential because if I'm openly talking about other people's personal things, then that's going to undermine trust as well. I start with leaders thinking about how do you become more transparent while still maintaining confidentiality. And what are some of the things that can really undermine a leader's trust um, that they've developed with their team? There's lots of things, breaking promises, gossiping, sharing things. But uh, fundamentally, if, if the team doesn't believe your your intentions are what's best for the team, then that'll break it quickly. It, you know, if they think you're doing everything for your own benefit, uh, for your own you know glory, um, your own journey, then you know, people will be very sceptical. 
people will then start to see that you're not in it for them and you're not someone that they can trust. So the old saying is, as a leader, the leadership skill is putting your team first. One of the key things I think leaders need to understand is when we're articulating our values and we're articulating our purpose and we're talking about what's the most important things for us, if the team's not seeing you act on those, if they're not seeing you behave in a way that aligns to those values and that purpose and those priorities, then again, they're not fundamentally there's something disconnected and therefore then how can you be really reliable or consistent in in that space so sometimes the organization does that for us the organization articulates the values around here and if people in positions of authority or in a perceived leadership role aren't living up to those values then they can be perceived as untrustworthy our guest on this episode is one of barclay's own alan stevenson Alan is an executive consultant at Barclays. His coaching style is strategic and individual, and he takes great pride in helping organisations find clarity around their goals. Welcome, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, welcome, Alan. Just from a starting point, Alan, from your perspective, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership sort of crystallised itself for me many years ago. I'd been promoted into a supervisor, manager type role. And on reflection, I, was, I wasn't very good at it. I was a very A-type manager. Um, and the organization sent me on a course called Leadership and Communication. And one of the things that I realized in that five-day course was the element of communication, but more importantly, the aspect of, of listening. Just just being able to listen. I spent the next couple of, <laughs> couple of years practicing listening and just being able to listen. And, and that just enabled all sorts of things so for me personally, but then for the people that I was managing, um, it just created opportunities and, and stuff. So so listening, John, I think is, is a big aspect of leadership for me. And it's something that I, I talk to people a lot about um, and how do they do it? How good are they at it? What does it mean? And, and just practicing. You know, it's just something that I still practice every single day is is listening and how my quality of listening. We talk a lot about leadership as as the skill set. Like we get put into roles as managing things or managing people, mm. um, but leadership being the skill set. And I think mm. fundamentally, the definition I use is around communicating and mm. behaving in a way that others want to follow. And yeah. I think listening allows that space mm. to happen. Mm. So you're spot on. And I think it's something that you have to practice. It's not mm. something that we do very well. Yeah, you, know, you you wake up and you have good days and bad days. So how do you how do you practice listening when you're having a bad day and stuff's going on and you you don't want to listen, but you know you're in a position that you really have to extend that gift to someone that you're going to take the time and and listen. Um, really important. Uh, the interesting one I've been talking about recently is that listening to respond versus listening to understand and a really clear distinction because you know, when we're listening to respond, really hearing what's being said, you're ready to reply versus actually mm. listening to understand is, is resonant. Yep, yeah. And, and the other thing for me, <clears throat> the, the, the coaching, coaching skills development piece, and I can always remember someone saying that my job as a coach is to listen so that the person that I'm coaching 
understands that's going on for them because that's that's when the clarity that's when the interference is realized and and they can do something about that interference because they understand more about the issues and the challenges that they're having so it's a it's an interesting thing because i remember having that conversation with the coaching mentor at the time i said you know listening to understand you said that's that's not your job (laughs) your job is not to understand your job is to listen so that they they understand and that was a real a real aha moment for me so you know the levels of listening yeah listening to understand is important when we're in the workplace and you're in a managerial role I think that is important you have to listen to understand what the issue is but then how do you shift that into the coaching arena where you then help that person understand what's going on for them so that they can get some clarity and choices and decisions about what they're going to do next about what's going on for them and 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 put it into the context of why this becomes so important we would say trust is a critical aspect Mm. of leadership um so so why is trust so important leading into this this conversation thinking about the, the trust aspect and i often talk to individuals or teams about how you get things done you get things done because of the relationships that you that you have with with people or, or things right so we have relationships with systems we have a relationship with people but the relationship with people or the strength and the depth of that relationship is how we get things done the systems enable it to happen, but it's really about the relationship. And the relationship is forged through through uh, leadership and, and, and listening. But then it's, does that person trust you? And then we get into trust and trustworthiness, uh, which is where this conversation sort of may go. So does that person see me as tr- worthy of their trust? Am I trustworthy? that they are going to come and talk to me, they're going to share the problems, they're going to be vulnerable, they're going to do all of that stuff, they're going to seek my advice as as their manager, as their leader, as their peer, colleague, whatever it might be. So the trust aspect and the trustworthiness, am I worthy of that trust, is, is so critical to the relationship and it's the relationship that's going to enable us to get stuff done. That's an interesting part for me is that trusting the relationship we have with trusting people versus being trustworthy and the attributes that bring those together so what would you describe as some of the key attributes a leader Mm. exhibits or has in regards to attributes or skills that can build that trustworthiness yeah yeah so there's the recent work that we've been doing is is barclays with, with with a client and that's, that's been focused around this trusted advisor model. So the trustworthiness equation is, is what we have been talking to our clients about. And there's four, four components in that equation. There's, there's credibility, reliability, intimacy, and then self-orientation. In simple terms, what are the distinctions of credibility, reliability, intimacy and self-orientation so when when i was talking to the the smaller groups and we didn't have a whole bunch of time to unpack it i would talk to them about credibility being knowledge and presence knowledge and presence so that's about the knowledge that you have about the work that people are doing do you have some technical knowledge you don't have to be the expert 
but you sort of understand the process, you understand the issues that they're facing. So that's your technical knowledge. And then there's your presence. So credibility is knowledge and presence. And that's your presence as, as a leader, as a manager, as a whatever it is, and how you behave when people come to you looking for that support. So that would be credibility. Reliability is what many people would maybe relate to as as integrity you know doing what you said you were going to do when you said you were going to do it but then I also talk to teams about if you've made a promise to someone that you're going to deliver something as soon as you realize that you're not going to be able to do that to maintain your reliability you have to go and tell them that promise I made I can't do it when I said I was going to do it you don't have to explain why but you recommit you re-promise about what it is you're going to do. You help them realize the solution that they need. So that's the reliability piece. The intimacy piece is a bit more, it's, it's a bit trickier because of our, our relationship with the word intimacy. Um, but intimacy in this context is, is very different. And it's more around confidentiality, maintaining confidentiality. So there's nothing worse than someone sharing someone with you in confidence for them to then discover that it's been shared with someone else. And it ends up maybe as a little bit of gossip. Maybe it's been done with the best of intentions, but that just destroys any trust. Because guess what? That person is not going to come to you anymore or they're going to think twice about it. And that's particularly prevalent in today's workplace where there's lots of things that people want to share which is very confidential so maintaining confidential is really one of the key things around intimacy so those three things credibility reliability and intimacy we want to be able to score them high on a scale scale of one to ten we'd love to be a ten in each one right we want to score high in each one and there's guidance around how we can practice more in the in the knowledge and reliability and all of that kind of stuff then there's the denominator, which is self-orientation. And self-orientation about is really about how people experience what you're doing. Are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for us as a team? So what's the motivation around why you're doing what you're doing? And people, people tune into that very, very quickly. And if you score high on self-orientation, it doesn't matter how strong you are on the top line. Your trustworthiness just goes goes down. So really, trustworthiness doesn't no longer becomes a black or white, a binary thing. There's it works out to be a bit of a scale, a bit of a spectrum about how trustworthy am I. Alan, you've spoken about a few mistakes that leaders make, particularly mm. around um, listening and even some of the traps they can fall into within those elements what are some other mistakes that people can make that can really destroy trust how to destroy it yeah and and again it's an interesting conversation because you know you'll hear people say it takes a long time to build trust but a very short time to to destroy it and I think the main one of the main things is would be the reliability uh, piece where they commit to something they promise something it could be in a meeting and say, oh, I don't know the app, but I'll get, Holly, I'll get back to you. And, and they don't get back to you. And that only has, has to happen two or three times. Then people stop asking. And it becomes endemic in the team because people hear that. Oh, Holly asked a question. 
she didn't get a response. So why would I ask a question? So people stop relying on that person to deliver what they say they were going to deliver. So that's that's one of the ones. And then the confidentiality one happens more often than we, I think, are prepared to admit, where someone does share something, and then suddenly they hear it in the corridor, and they go, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to share anything with that person again. And, it, and it's gone. It's gone. So people rely on the credibility piece about their knowledge, their technical expertise. They, they rely on that. This sort of reliability is quite easy to to work on, um, but the big trap is the, is the intimacy trap. One thing I'm learning a lot from being around the consultants at Barclays is that you need to maintain that level of curiosity when you're speaking to people and that really brought it home hearing Alan speak about it in connection to trust. I didn't actually really consciously think before that, oh, that actually is a a big element of trust. As Alan was sort of unpacking those attributes of credibility, reliability, intimacy and self-orientation, the two highly people-orientated attributes of those of intimacy and self-orientation are really powerful in that trust equation. And if you really wanted to think about it, to build greater intimacy is to listen to what others have to say. So if you really want to have people feel safe to come and talk to you, you need to be able to listen. And if you can't listen, they're not going to feel like they can come and talk to you. And if you want people to feel like you've got their interests ahead of yours, then you probably need to listen to what they've got to say, right? So I find it really powerful every time I talk with Alan and, and, and the team as their leader, basically, in, in, in a role, just to remember that sometimes I've got to be doing less talking in the room and I've just got to be listening to see what, what's important to everyone because that allows me to build greater intimacy and it allows me to put my self-orientation lower. You know, it's, it becomes more, more about the team. And that was a really good realisation, again, as Alan was talking, that you know, listening as such a powerful attribute as a leader, as a leadership skill, is fundamental in building trust. To wrap things up, do you have any tips on particularly the listening part, I think, and what you said about letting people speak and maybe not jumping in and interjecting or assuming what they're going to say. Do you have any tips? Because it's a bit of a hard one. Sometimes you're like, oh, you're just enthusiastic, but it's not the time for that. It's probably the biggest question I get asked from leaders as, as a coach. How do I get better at listening? Um, and I think, as Alan said, you've just got to practice it every day. For me, personally, I have to put a bit of effort in to consciously remind myself when I'm going into a team meeting or I'm going into a conversation, I have to consciously remind myself that I I need to listen and I actually need to ask really well-defined curiosity questions so I can listen. And I think it starts with good questions. Be consciously aware of the fact you need to listen and being prepared to not know the answer and being prepared to not have a response and actually just let it be. Do you have an example of what a question developed around curiosity might look like? Yeah, look, anything in the open or open leading style questions. So open and open leading are predominantly questions that that require others to describe how they think about something, feel about something, believe about something or experience something. So um, just simple things like tell me more about that, uh, what, you know, what happened, 
how you know how did that show up so any questions like that that just allow people to have to think a bit deeper and gives you time to just sit and listen to that process and become comfortable when you're asking those sorts of questions you have to be cut be comfortable with silence because you need to give them time to think uh, asking closed questions which is a yes or no type answer there's not a lot there's not a lot of space for silence people are generally quick to respond with a yes or no but asking really good open questions for curiosity you have to become more comfortable with silence With that being said, we are at the end of this episode of The Leadership Journey. Thank you for listening. As always, you can find us on social media and all of our links to get there are in the description. This season of The Leadership Journey is recorded on Wajak Noongar Budja. We pay respect to this land's traditional owners past and present.